Welcome to a new arm of YCP Talks called The Boardroom. This is the place where faith, re-entry, and entrepreneurship collide. And our aim is to reach those who are navigating entrepreneurship, who are navigating re-entry, and walking by faith and not by sight in that journey. What's up, YCP family? It's your boy Stan Frankart here. We are here in the boardroom. This is YCP Talks presenting the boardroom where faith, entrepreneurship, and reentry collide. And I, of course, being that we've had a hiatus, I feel like I got to do a proper introduction of the co-host, right? <laughs> so, oh you know, God. it's the co-host that does the most from coast to coast. Shantae, let's give her a toast. She's in the building, y'all. Say what's up to Shantae. Say what's up to the people. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I told y'all he's the greatest hype man. It's been a minute, so I, I'm just Crazy. glad to see that, you know, he still got it. Okay, cool. I'm glad So I DJ Callie, we waiting for those funds, you know, yeah. all those people. You know, if you need a hype man, just call Stan Stan. No doubt, no doubt. Or if you just need a spot to, you know, dump some cash flow because you need, you need to send some sponsorships under your belt. Feel free to drop us a link at uh, youngchristianprofessionals.org. We in the building. So uh, you can click the donate now button. Praise God. And, uh, man, we got an awesome, amazing, restored citizen in the building with us, man. Miguel is in the building. Miguel, say what's up to the people. Hello, everybody. I'm Miguel, man. I'm glad to be here today, man. No doubt. I'm glad God has gotten me here today, taking me where I need to be. Amen. I'm just thankful, man. For sure. Very thankful, y'all. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Man, you got a glow about you, man. That's it anointed, does. man. That's divine, man. <laughs> so I'm just excited to see what the Lord has in store for today. And uh, I know last time that we left off, this was back in January, so it's been a long hiatus. We've been moving and grooving over here at YCP, y'all. Like, we really, really been putting in some work. We had our first reentry simulation mm. here in Stark County. Fire. Ever. Yeah. Fire. Fire, fire. Tell them a little bit about it. Shantae. Man, it, where do I start, man? I could take up the whole podcast talking about it. So, um, it's crazy, though. You know, being on the on the outside, I think, or behind the scenes, how you would say it. Being behind the scenes and kind of dreaming of something and then actually, you know, getting out the way and allow God to do what he has to do. I'm going to say getting out the way a lot, you know what I'm saying? But getting out the way and allowing God to do what he has to do, like, we met with Malone College. We partnered up with them and they gave us some space, you know. Uh, B. Dave, amazing guy. Shouts out to him, you know what I'm saying? for Dr. The, Davis. Yeah, uh, the hostess with the Moses. <laughs> but uh, we just called the community together and said, you know, let us show you how it feels or what it looks like to be somebody coming home from incarceration. And to be honest, I didn't expect um, the turnout. Yeah. You know, it was hectic at first, man. Hey, I, I don't know if y'all ever seen Stan sweat, but bro, there's two things that made my day that day outside the simulation. It's crazy. Seeing him sweat. Yeah. Cause we had a hiccup that we had to change our whole plan around within minutes, and then watching him wheel a table down the hallway it has to be the greatest thing that I. I mean, I was laughing. But anyways, that was a great moment. You had to be there to see it. <laughs> he had a suit on. He was trying to figure it out. He couldn't figure out where to put his arms at. But it was cool. But it, all I have to say is a group of people from all walks of life came together. Yeah. Uh, we invited Think Take Up, and they did a the simulation within itself. 
um, and the feedback was just amazing. When it came down to it, I think uh, B. Dave said that we had about 150 people uh, in the building. So uh, God is good, man. We had three returning uh, restored citizens uh, on a discussion panel mm-hmm. uh, talked about their the process of uh, returning home and the difficulty things and things that people need to think about when they're you know in intertwining with uh, restored citizens and then a man my homie man our dude Cleve was able to share his testimony yeah. uh, a little bit of his story which was you think you know somebody but uh, you hear their story, bits and pieces. I've heard bits and pieces of Cleve's story, but to actually hear from the horse's mouth yeah. and to understand like the pain, like he got emotional at some point, mm. not about what he went through, but where God has brought him Amen. since mm-hmm. that point. For I mean, sure. cause he has every reason to be bitter and frustrated, but like, you know, his heart and his passion just to keep on pressing on and not stay stuck in a, in a hole and be bitter is amazing, man. Yeah. I find encouragement. Uh, through his testimony and through that moment, even today, man. So it was awesome. No for my, doubt. I don't know about no you, but that's no, I thought it was no, fire too, for sure. I definitely thought it was fire. And yeah, man, Cleve, man. Shout out to Cleve, man. He's an amazing guy, man. A man of God, man, that loves the Lord, man. And really, really, I think truly leaned on his faith to see him through. You know what I'm saying? Some of the darkest moments. I mean, you know, I couldn't imagine not being guilty of the crime that I'm sitting in the joint for. For 25 years, yeah. man. You know, like, and then finally one day somebody saying, "Yeah, we was wrong." So here's a parole. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, like, man. But it's a testament to what I truly believe is how God even is sovereign over our mental health. Mm. You know what I mean? Like a lot of our restored panel, our restored citizens panel during the uh, reentry simulation talked about like one of the biggest barriers was mental health for men and women coming home from incarceration. And, you know, statistics show that the number two leading cause of trauma is separation from loved ones. And so that's what incarceration is, right? Mm-hmm. Separation from loved ones. You get dropped off into this little place called prison. It's a whole different culture in that baby, a whole different way of life. You got to try to scrabble to the phones. And that's back before they had phones on their tablets and stuff. Uh-huh. Now they got it on their tablets and stuff. I remember I remember seeing people get beat to death over them phones. Man, for real. <laughs> and so praise God that they, they were innovative and put them things on the tablets. But... Yeah, man, you know, I remember scrabbling to the phones, trying to get to the JPays and send emails to loved ones. And, like, you don't realize the impact that it has on you because you just adapt in the moment. But, like, once I came home, I remember being in the halfway house. I was in the exit program in Mansfield, right? And all my peoples had passed away while I was in the joint. So, like, my family at that point in time was my family in Christ. And so I remember just sitting on my bunk in the halfway house and I had my eyes closed, just like I do right now. And I'm like, man, I ain't got to scramble for no phone. I ain't got to try to, like, fight somebody over the JPEG to send an email. Like, it was such a moment of peace. Like, I remember just laying on my rack for, like, literally six hours straight and enjoying the peace and quiet of the moment. And, like... It was divine. For me, that was a journey where, like, I didn't realize how much prison life had taken a toll on my mental health. Like, I was so used to the constant noise, the constant chaos, the constant 
man, I'm trying to walk around people and make sure you ain't looking at people the wrong way, making sure I don't go into the bathrooms at the wrong times, you know, because you don't know what you're going to see. In the, like, all of that played a part on my psyche. Mm-hmm. And, like, for the first two weeks of being home at the halfway house, it was just me trying to embrace, like, this is totally different. Everybody's at work, and I'm in this house all by myself right. on this bunk, and it's peaceful. It's quiet. I can go to the refrigerator. I don't have to stand for count time. You know what I mean? Like, I remember 4 o'clock count came, and I didn't know what to do. I'm like, Suda, we supposed to stand up around here or what? And they're like, man, no, you just lay on your bed. There ain't no count time. You just check in at 9 o'clock at night. I'm like, wow, okay, Sue. So talk to me a little bit about y'all mental health journey, man, and how that played a part maybe during your incarceration, if you don't mind. Would you want me to go first? Yeah, Yeah. Miguel, let's go ahead and share with the people. Man, I, I I still kind of uh, struggle with that a little bit, uh, cause I've been incarcerated, you know, quite a few times. Once when I was twelve years old, till I was about sixteen and a half years old, and um, I can just think of back when I was in as a juvenile, man. Uh, the only thing that really, really weighed heavily on my mind was my mom. Mm. Was I ever gonna see my mom again? When would I see my mom again? You know what I mean? I'm in here for something that I didn't do, but you know, I know I played parts in some way, some form, but I didn't do exactly what I'm here for. But like, just thinking about just wanting to be home, my mom, I was a kid, you know what I mean? Uh, But you know, I spent many a years, I spent about a year in solitary confinement as a juvenile and uh, I feel like that was a time where God was really working on my mental mm-hmm. because uh, I used to sit back and I used to just just think and I used to think and I used to just think and I used to think and I used to like think so much that I can understood why I was thinking and why I was thinking. Do you understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like yeah. my feelings, I can understand what I would think when I would feel this way. So like uh, mm-hmm. once I got released, man, I was happy. Yeah. You know, I came home. I was about 16 and a half years old, man, and I was happy. Uh. I don't really want to lie to people. I've actually, I left that where it was when I came home. Amen. Like, uh, if I made a mistake, like hurt somebody while I was in there or something, sometimes I did think about that. I did beat myself up about that. Like, that's one of my biggest mental things is uh, beating myself up about things that I feel like I'm guilty of. Yeah, that's real. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, like, it's hard for me to let go of the things that I've done wrong. Mm-hmm. So, like, even when I went back to prison as an adult, you know, uh, I never felt like I was there because the system did me wrong or the system put me here. Like, I knew I was there because Miguel did something to be there. For sure. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, the only thing I thought about the whole time I was in there is the day I got out. When I was going to get out. Like, I, I like, you know, I don't want to really lie to people, but, like... Mm -hmm. I don't think about what I'm going through in a bad way of what other people may have did to me. I think about what I did to get myself there while I'm in that process. The only thing I'm thinking about is what is it going to look like after I leave this situation? You know what I mean? So like the whole time I was in there, man, I was just ready to go. Every day I woke up and I said, another day down. Here we're going to go start another day. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And when I got out, man, you know what I mean? Uh, my mental was, I thought it was straight, but no, it wasn't straight. Like, it just wasn't straight, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't change nothing while I was in there, and that's where I messed up at, because when I went in there and did them three years as an adult, 
I should have figured out a whole different plan than what I was going to do before I got out. Like, I got in there and I started reading my Bible. Yeah. You know what I mean? Why didn't I finish reading my Bible when I got out? Mm. Why didn't I finish doing the things that I, I kind of think about it? Like, maybe God was, like, saying something to me. Mm. Because, like, how did you go all these other incarcerations to the county as a juvenile and all this and all of that and you never read your bible but like god was showing you signs though you know what yeah. i mean he's always been there for me so i was like i just kept on just uh thinking that it getting in god's way Come on. how about that Come now on. since we're gonna say that get in god's way you know what sure. i mean so i was just like and when i came home man my mental was just only one thing sell dope yeah that's real it was to sell dope. It was to sell dope and, and, and do what I thought what was best for me. And then that's what messed my mental up even worse. Mm. A lot of times we understand, man, like the things that aren't for us will destroy us. That's mm. one hundred, man. That's good. The things that are not for us will destroy us. But then we'll blame it on everything that we went through and say well, that was the cause of it. Well, come on, Doc. But that's not the cause of it. What you went through and you got through is the glory. Yeah. What you continue to peep yourself through is the cause of your own doings. That's right. You know what I mean? So, that's like, right. if I thought that I was going to sell dope, that's the way my using of dope started because I should have left it right where it was. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, my mental was just, uh, it's not strong today. It is, but I beat myself up a lot in my mind about things that I did wrong. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I try to, and I try not to. Oh, boy, I try not to so hard, but it's just so hard because I just, I know I'm forgiven by God, but it's hard for me to forgive myself. Why? Because I know what I did was wrong. Yeah, yeah. No, that's real, Miguel. And I think that's a lot of, like, if I'm being honest, when I look at my life, that was the biggest, one of the biggest hurdles for me. Yeah. You know, like, there was a lot of people that I did serious harm to. And, and I, I, every day, I'm like, dang, I'm remorseful about it, man, because I know there's somebody who didn't go home to their mom, possibly their kids, possibly, you know, stuff yeah. like that. And I beat myself up for the longest about that. But the truth about it was that God had to give me. And this is how I began my journey of healing from my own mental health, because I had issues, man, that was way deeper than just, man, unforgiveness. You know what yeah. I mean? My issues was I was depressed. I was felt I was in a black hole my whole life. And I was never going to get out of this justice system. Felt like I was a you know, bye-bye black sheep in my family and literally sometimes the only black person in my family, you know what I mean? It was just a whole nuance. But, like, God started dealing with me when I was 21 years old in prison. And I allowed him to begin dealing with me. He had been there all along, you know what I'm saying? When I play the tape back, I see his hand over situations where I knew I should have ended up dead, you know what I mean? But I didn't by his mercy, you know what I mean? Um, but when, he, when I really started opening my heart, to allowing God to truly clean my slate, right? Like the scriptures talk about he makes our sin white as snow. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? And Isaiah, and it was just like, like, God, man, I did some heinous things, man. How can you make these things that I know? He says they are crimson red in the scripture, but these were like Buckeye state red. You know what I'm saying? Like that red that you yeah. like, dang. That's how I felt my sin was, right? And so... But God said he makes those white as snow. Yeah. And like what he really started showing me was that like if there was a holy, perfect, just, righteous, 
never ever failed in any kind of way savior that took that sin on your on his back on your behalf who are you to hold that charge mm. against yourself mm. And, mm. and i totally feel you on that yeah and that's that's very understandable and that's where i do battle at that's real you know what i mean like but i still keep pushing amen i still keep doing better than what i hold against myself that's real i make sure that the things that I beat myself up about that I know was wrong, I make harder than that to not do them things. Amen. That way I don't That's add gross. more stress, For more sure. problems on the things that I was already delivered from. I know I'm delivered from it. Amen. But I beat myself up to the point every day so I never have to go back to it. You know what I'm saying? I feel that. Like so that's that's just my thing. It's a motivator for you to keep you on the on the right path. It's a motivator for me. Like I never want to forget where I came from. That's real. And that's important too, especially for us coming home. Like we can't forget where God's brought us from. You know what I mean? So love that. I love that. I got another question that I'm gonna ask, but I'm gonna let Shantae share first about her mental health and Um, her journey. I was caught up in a conversation. I wouldn't even pass my my mental health, but um, I think my mental health, the process of my mental health, because there's difference between having mental health and then the process of mental, health, the Come process on. of it. It's two different, separate, separate situations. Explain that difference. Yeah. So, uh, mental health is. I just think that everybody needs mental health. Come on, like you physical know? health. Yep. It's good. Like physical health, and I think that especially in our culture, with us all three being African Americans, mm-hmm. it's a we get a horrible stigma about it. So, you know, back in the day, I used to say what st- what happens in the house stays in the house. So, a lot of things that we endured inside of our houses, you know, we were taught not to talk about them, even in your house. Right. And God forbid you would go to school and say X Y Z is happening because you was getting beat down when you got home for opening up your mouth. But the process of mental health, I think, is different because. At least from my perspective is recognizing that I am valuable enough to get the help with Mm. the chaos that's going on in my mind. Yeah. And that, first I have to recognize there are some issues that I I have not dealt with. It's like Mm. a treasure chest you got at the crib, you know what I'm saying? At the crib underneath your bed. Yeah. And you terrified of it, you know, it's like the boogeyman underneath your bed. bed. And the boogie bin is the treasure chest. It's all that trauma that you had to deal with when you was a, ca- a child and you just constantly stuff it yeah. in his chest, stuff it in his chest. And sometimes, well, most of us, if we don't deal with mental health or don't know what mental health is, you know, it gets so impacted in there that it just seeps out. And when I say seep out, the trauma that's in there seeps out and it becomes who we are mm. and the identity of it. So for me, the process was recognizing that that boogeyman did exist underneath the bed. That's real. And then having enough courage to pull it out, you know what I'm saying? Because that's, that's two separate things. That's a to whole recognize, type of and then then actual, you know, go go grab it, and then like begin to, you know, a jar of the treasure chest. Because mm. nobody's going to just walk up to the treasure chest and just say, "Get out!" Yeah, you know, right. it's just too much to handle. That's real. You know, that's and real. staying true to myself and saying, you know what, however difficult. This situation may be this trauma that I may be dealing with. Um, I am going to stick through it. That's real, man. I'm going to do what it takes to deal with this this traumatic moment because we all have traumatic moments. But I think when you deal with mental health, you got to take it piece by piece. Mm-hmm. And when you begin, when you get out the way and allow God to work, uh, I feel like as I give that trauma to God. Mm. It looks different for everybody. For, for, sure. for me personally, uh, 
my process or my path was, you know, God first told me that, hey, everything that happened to you wasn't for you. Mm. Some things are. Yeah. But some things is for my glory. Mm. And I had to take you through those things in order for you to be a light for somebody else who had who have no knowledge of who I am. Come on. So that's the connection to me. Yeah. And so, like, I had to, like, literally walk through that traumatic moment and live that experience and that's hard yeah you know because when you go when you talk about mental health and you talk about true healing i believe at least in my situation i had to go back to that five-year-old girl who was sexually assaulted in that attic by you know that 50 year old man yeah so i had to experience the smells the taste the you know the the whole thing it's like a time zone you know you get picked up and you put back in there and you the bigger version and you watching the little or you yeah. and you wondering like you know how do I get out of this yeah, I, yeah. panic attacks and all that yeah. and I was reminded like in mm. that moment like the Bible says I will never leave you nor forsake you Man. and so like my body was an adult but my mind and my emotions was of that five-year-old girl true. and the only way I got through that and I feel like the only way we get through things is through the grace of God mm. And I hung, literally, I was hanging on to the fact that I knew that he was standing right next to me and he wasn't going to let me get hurt like I once got hurt before. So that's the process of it. And once I got through that and I made it and I didn't die, because, like, if you think about traumatic moments in your life, and it ain't got to be the extremes of being sexually assaulted as a child, but we all go through trauma just based on how we interpret it in our mind. Like, once you get through that and you see you can survive it, yeah. Like you on the top of the world, you're like, oh God, did that all? What can I do? What can I do? So understanding that, like, mental health is a process. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, and allowing God to position people in your life because I mean that's just the beginning of of walking through it and 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 kind of facing it, and then God restores you and gives you understanding of what took place. For some, a lot of people don't get that, but then understanding that, like, He also places physical people here. You know, mental health specialists, yeah. pastors, ministers, disciples, you know, to kind of help you along the way. Oh, but so. you got to have enough courage and strength to stick to it. Because a lot of times we get to the point where we want to deal with that treasure chest underneath our bed and we open that chest up, but then it's too much for us and we shut it. Yeah. Yeah. And so we get in God's way or we get in our own way and we only give him just enough. Mm-hmm. True freedom and true release doesn't come unless you give it all to him and you completely let go right. it's corny because they used to say uh that little bracelet they used to wear a wwjd what would jesus do <laughs> like and i used to rock it like yeah i got one of these but then once you you know what i'm saying like as you mature in your faith and you realize like what would jesus do mm. and so as y'all were talking just a few seconds ago i was thinking about like hey man like i don't never want to be in a position where you know like here's my mental struggle and this is 100 i'm gonna keep it all the way candid with y'all here's my mental struggle like i think of like okay so if i don't give it all to god do i really believe in god Mm. you know i say like Mm. i believe in the bible and i believe in in and him coming and dying for us and i believe his words but when it's not convenient for me 
I don't give it to him. So do I truly believe? So truly belief is like diving for me is diving all the way in. Yeah. It's scary because you don't know what the outcome may be. You may not know if you may go back to the current situation we may be in. Right. But like me personally, I have to in my journey and my process of you know restoration, uh, reentry, and every avenue of my life. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but like my mental struggle is. When I'm afraid to let it go or give it to God, that's where I think, do I really believe? Yeah, yeah. Do I really have faith? That's real. Because he heals all things. He loves all things. And mm. so, like, do I not think, like, I'm worthy enough of his love to just mm. give it to him? So, like, that itself is a mental, you know, teeter-tot. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. do you believe? You said you believe. Now, Shantae, you said you believe. So why are you just giving me a little bit of this? Right. Allow me to mold you into the woman that I need you to be, mm. you know, and just give it to me. Yeah. Because you are hindering yourself from my greatness. No doubt. And I keep going back to that because I think about it all the time. Every time I want to put my hand in it or, or say, God, I'm going to give it to you, but I'm just going to hold a little thread right here yeah. on my own. Yeah. I'm reminded that, you know, do you really believe? Mm. That's good. That's powerful. And I think, you know what, like if I'm being honest, I look at the songs, right? So like, especially in the entrepreneurship journey, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I feel like there are certain things that are on my shoulders that I need to do. Right. And that those are the things that I keep back from God. And I'm like, God, yeah, you know what? You got it all. But let me just handle this one part. Right. Like, you know what I mean? And then God's like, no, nah, fam, like, it's all or nothing. Yep. But, like, I look at the songs when I'm going through those moments in my mm -hmm. life because David went through a similar journey. Yeah. Like, God, how am I in this cave in fear of my life and you supposed to be my God? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's part of, like, so you talked about the mental health process. I think there's a journey in our faith walk, mm. right? Like you think about Peter, man. He's seen the miracles of Jesus. Right. But my man still took his eyes off Jesus when he was walking on water when the storm Absolutely. started crashing Amen. in. Yep. You feel what I'm saying? Like my man was doubting Thomas, followed Jesus, seen him heal the sick, seen him, you know, give sight to the blind, seen him raise Lazarus from the dead. And he's like, Lord, is that you for real? Yeah. Let me put my fingers in your side and your hands, man, if that's really you. You know what I'm saying? Peter, when it came down to the time for Jesus to go to the cross, which Jesus had been telling the disciples since he'd been walking with them. Yeah. Peter pulled his sword out and cut That's the ear off of the centurion servant. Jesus touched his ear. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, man, even in those moments where, like, and then it goes on to deny Jesus three times, by the way. You know what I'm saying? Which Jesus told him he was going to do. Right. And he still did. Like, I think even if we knew the full picture, there would still be room in our humanity, right? The Bible says that the spirit is willing, but the flesh, the flesh is weak. weak. Yep. Yes. And there's so many different things in our lives that weaken our flesh, whether it's uncertainty, yeah. fear, doubt, disbelief. Maybe it's, man, the chaos around us. And we're like, Lord, how in the heck can you get me out of this? Right. You know what I mean? I know for me, my justice involvement journey, that's what it felt like. I have been just as involved since 10 years old. Literally the epitome of the school to prison pipeline. Got into a fighting school, was on parole and probation all the way until I was 28 or in prison. You know what I mean? And like, I remember at like 20 years old, like, God, this has been going on for 10 years. I haven't seen longer than three months on the street. 
like this is when God really started pressing me. You know what I'm saying? Like he was pursuing me relentlessly, but this is where he really started pressing me because I was in lockdown, got into a fight in the gym. I was on lockdown for 90 days. And so, man, I'm in there and I'm like, man, God, how in the heck could you be real, man? And I've been going through this since I was 10. I've never been home longer than three months, man. And God, I, I didn't hear nothing at that point because I didn't believe I could hear from him. But I was just like, man, that was the point where I was at. Where it's like, there's no way out. Mm -hmm. There's no way out. But then God, and at, at age 21, I remember in the midst of a gang fight, laying on the ground, mm -hmm. pulling me out of the miry clay and saying, man, like you've been all in for these streets, be all in for me. And that's when my restoration began because then I was able to see the hope. I was able to see that there was light at the end of this tunnel. I began to see that there was something God had placed in me that I had been using for the wrong reasons my whole life that gave me the ability to, as the scriptures say, gird up your loins, you know what I mean? Right. means tighten up if you want to use some prison lingo, right? Gave me the ability to tighten up a little bit so that I could move forward from that point in my life. And so, man, you know, I think about that journey of faith mm -hmm. as being symbolic or synonymous to the process of mental health. Absolutely. And, you know, I think for us specifically, and I think we will we'll, we'll kind of part to this because I think it's important that we talk about what that process looks like in part two. Um, but I think for the summer, summary of today, I want to close with a little bit of statistics. It, there's a study out there by prison fellowship that says it takes 18 to 24 months for somebody to fully adapt to prison culture some of us may be a little sooner some of us may be a little later those are called outliers when it comes to data but majority of people i think it was 89 percent 18 to 24 months study goes on to show that it takes roughly three to five years for men and women to just assimilate, not even adjust or fully adapt, but to assimilate, begin to get their bearings to normal everyday life. And I think that's testament to the mental health struggles of the trauma that we're induced to, for some of us for the first time, some of us relive trauma, but this is the first moment where we realize like, dang, that was rough. For us coming home from incarceration. Because we grow up in very unhealthy environments, most of us. We grow up in very chaotic lifestyles, most of us. We grow up with some irrational or illogical way of thinking that led to us being incarcerated. And we don't, sometimes, you know, we could be in the perfect household. We could have families with the perfect jobs. But there's still something there that's just not clicking. And that, I think, is what leads to incarceration, right? I once heard a lady say this, like, most people that commit crimes are insane. And the reason being is because the laws were black and white. What would make you think it's okay to do the opposite of what the law says? <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not, but, <laughs> but I've heard somebody say that one time before. But I think through that, my point of emphasis is that, like, when we really look back and we say, okay, God, you're the healer. You're the one who is sovereign over all things. And although I know you didn't want those things to happen to me, nor did you make those things happen to me, whatever those things may be. I know he did. He definitely didn't make me see what I seen in the joint. That was not from him. I know that. <laughs> and but I also know that he's 
using all things together for the good. And how he does that is supernatural. How he does that, I don't fully understand. But I think when we become to a place where we can trust him for who he is, our mental health begins to find its restoration because we understand that it's, this world doesn't revolve around Stan. Mm. This world doesn't revolve around Miguel. This world doesn't revolve around Shantae. But this world is spinning on the finger of a sovereign God who is yeah. actively and intimately involved in all of these intricacies. Good, bad, and indifferent. Because one thing, he loves us. Mm -hmm. And because of he loves us, he cares for us. And man, I think when we get to the place where we can just start trusting that for the first time, for people watching, people listening, when we can get to a place where we trust that for the first time, we can begin to see the journey or the process of mental health restoration. So any closing thoughts before we wrap up for the people? Nah. No doubt, yeah, no mean, doubt. Well, I'll save it for next time. It's on his tongue. Yeah. But, um, it's on my tongue. I'm going to save it for next time. It's, right. it's all you good. I, mean? um, I, I am just appreciative of the space we have here at the boardroom for us to come together. Um, and for those who, you know, a lot of times, you know, we are called young Christian professionals. So a lot of our basis of our conversation will be based off, you know, our spiritual perspective. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of people out there that listen to us and watch us who aren't there yet. Yeah. You know, so I encourage those who aren't there to um, our desire, God's desire, is for you to have a spiritual awakening to who he is. Mm -hmm. But some of us aren't there yet. So I encourage y'all to, especially when it comes to mental health, man or woman, um, how you think what you feel matters. Yeah. And there's people in your communities that truly uh, care about your mental health. Yeah. And sometimes you may be the individual that's the first person in your family to go deal with mental health. Come on. So I just encourage you to take it serious. Yeah. Um, to use your resources around you, whether it's mental health, behavioral health, substance abuse. Begin to like, you know, because everybody want to be a better version of themselves. So begin to search out those resources and, uh, you know, make that journey, that begin that process of uh, mental health. If nobody told y'all today, uh, here at YCP, we love the soul of who you are and not the surface. Amen. Peace. Oh, okay.